Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Come inside, the show's about to start. Guaranteed to blow your head apart. This is the Shannon Smith Shooting Podcast. Guess it up. Welcome back to the Shannon Smith Shooting Show Podcast. The podcast is delivered to your listening device on a totally haphazard and maybe never basis. I just came back from the USPSA Open Nationals, uh, Open Carry Optics, PCC Limited, and they called it the High Cap Nationals out in Utah. And been a while since I've done a podcast, so it's going to be kind of a haphazard recap of the last few months. And uh, the central focus is going to be on how stupid I am, because that's an easy topic. I meant to do a show on the Pro-Am, but didn't get around to it, so let's do a quick a quick recap there. I was put on here in Florida, changed ownership a few times over the years, and attendance was down a little bit, probably because of that and other reasons. But uh, they put on a good show, Manny was running it, and uh, I've always enjoyed that match. I've shot every one of them but one it went up to georgia i think last year i didn't make that but i uh, shot the first one out in tulsa and i've hit everyone there was other than that won it a couple times had some uh dramatic finishes a couple of times it's uh, it's just been a good match for me and it lends well uh, to my style of shooting because it requires uh, what i call aggressive patience I mean, you have to be fast but because you're limited to 10 rounds and in the division, you can't get uh, you can't get too crazy. You know, it's not like shooting open normally, where you've got 15 extra rounds uh, per spot. So I shot uh, I shot PCC open and limited. Shot very bad and limited. Hadn't been behind the limited gun nearly enough, and uh, certainly showed. So I think I was the the last pro or next to last pro in limited, but I won the PCC and uh, I won open pretty handily. And didn't have a ton of uh, ton of competition. Hopefully, it'll uh, get back to its glory days where you've got a lot of pros there, and uh, we're duking it out for for stages. It's a different match in terms of because of the round count. Uh, it's a par time that makes it considerably different than what we normally do. And you know, the way it works for the pros is you're uh, depending on you know, who's running the match and how it's set up, but they have. It's a cash match, so they have a little bit of money for overall finish, maybe one, two, three, or something overall. But then they also do stage win money, uh, like skins in a golf tournament. So if you win a stage, you uh, you win that stage money. But if two guys tie for the stage, then everybody ties, and that money carries over, and it's up for grabs for everybody on the next stage. So that adds a different element, element and uh, makes it kind of exciting. So no shit, there I was. We uh, there's a, always a tiebreaker stage, and it's normally shot last or first. For some reason, we shot in the middle of the match. Maybe just because the way the bay is laid out. Uh, but it doesn't really matter unless uh, there's a tie on the on the last stage that you shoot. Then you go back to the tiebreaker, and that determines the winner. For the um, for the regular people, the amateurs, uh, if uh, two people tie in the overall the tiebreaker breaks that tie. And that's pretty common. It's um, because your score is how many how many targets you knock down, how many plates you hit. 
So across eight stages, it's pretty common that, you know, two or three guys are going to have 75 plates or 56 plates or whatever. So then the tiebreaker determines that order finish. Uh, but for us, it's just for the final stage. And for whatever reason, we shot that um, like our seventh stage, I think. So we had two full, you know, two real stages to go after that. Tiebreakers just stand there. I forget what it is, 11 targets or something, or, or 21 targets or 20 targets or something. So you're going to have to do a load. And I think you had to be pretty clean um, and to not have to do another load. So maybe it was 21. I'll give you a 10 plus 1 and then reload a 10. But anyway, so I get up there and my, uh, my hammer falls on my open gun. Sorry, follows on my open gun. Uh, I didn't double, just followed. So racked, reloaded, finished, finished out the stage. And on my last round of that of that stage, it followed again. Again, didn't double, just just followed. So now I'm thinking, holy crap! And of course, I didn't bring my extra gun because I'm an idiot. And uh, so we had two stages to go. I was um, leading the match pretty handily. And all I really needed was for the dang gun to work for the last two stages, and uh, it'd probably be all right. And you can't really, I mean, I could have thumbed it back, I guess, in hindsight, but on an open gun with the Seymour in the way, it's, you know, definitely not impossible, but certainly more time consuming. Um, and you can't be racking, you can't be racking every time because you've only got 10 rounds and you're going into an array with eight or nine targets. You know, you rack out two rounds, and now you can't shoot at everything. So I thought, well, I'll go to the safe area. I'll, I'll, you know, heavy up the trigger, and then maybe it'll it'll hang on. Like I could shoot a heavy trigger for two stages. You know, I really just had to to hit the targets and put up a half decent score. You know, I didn't have to I didn't have to win the last two stages. So pro shooter, right? Been shooting twenty some years. I can handle this. So I'll go to the safe table, take it apart. I figure I'm just going to put more pressure, you know, and heavy. I mean, it didn't feel ultra light. I don't know why I was following, but so bent the middle spring a little bit on the, on the sear spring, put it back together, racked it a few times, let the, you know, let the slide uh, slam home and the hammer fought, followed. Shit. Take it apart again, bend that middle spring a little bit more, back together, same. Take it apart again, bend the shit out of the middle spring, put it back together. Now, if you're a 1911 aficionado like myself, you're probably saying to yourself, why was he bending the middle spring? That's a fantastic question. So about this time, I realized, man, that pre-travel's really gotten heavy. And then it freaking dawned on me, idiot, you're bending the wrong spring. So I took it apart again, tried to, tried to, in the middle spring back a little bit so it didn't have a 12 pound trigger put some pressure on the correct spring on the left spring and it was fine so a little heavier but no big deal i was able to was able to work through it i think i even won one or two of the last two and was able to take over the win open and win a little bit of money so that was uh, that was cool uh, so the match was great i highly recommend you you check it out next year uh it's a, it's a super fun format and you know, I don't think you're going to see it on the local level. I know that was kind of always in um, the back of Phil's mind, the guy that the guy that started the match, that it was going to be kind of like its own sport. But, man, it's just so labor-intensive to, to set up, and I've set them up here. You know, we've had it at our range a number of years, and 
Uh, number one, most clubs don't have 250 pieces of steel or 300 pieces of steel, but you know, even if you did, someone, someone's got to schlub them all out there and, and set them up, and that's just not a very likely scenario. So anyway, uh, definitely check out the big match uh, if you can, if you can fit it in your calendar. I uh, highly recommend it. It's fun, uh, fun match, and they gave I mean, the pros uh, shoot for for cash, but they gave away um, a whole lot of guns to uh, to the AMs as well. So definitely worth your time. Uh, so on to the Nationals. I was all excited. The Nationals have been here at uh, at my range in Frostproof for a number of years, as you probably know, as everybody on the internet laments. But uh, so I, you know, I work running the match and then try to compete as well. And I'm sure that's not optimal for, uh, for performance. Not only, you know, am I there two weeks ahead of time or, or more, uh, building stages all day, but even during the match, you know, I've got to be there to open the gates and be there to close the gates and that kind of stuff. So I'm there, you know, dark to dark when you're, when my competitors are sleeping in coming in at noon and, and, uh, just shooting for a few hours or whatever. But so, again, I'm sure that's not optimal, but I don't really know any other way at this point. You know, that's kind of how I do it. So I don't know what I would do if I had the half of a day off before I competed. But I have to admit, I was looking forward when they announced the Nationals was going to be in Utah, uh, the Open national Nationals specifically, uh, that I would have an opportunity to just go and shoot. You know, just concentrate on the shooting and not have to not have to run everything. Uh, it was the last qualifier was going to be and was the last qualifier for the uh, world shoot team points uh, for the U.S. team for the world shoot next year. So we have uh, the Nationals and the IPSC Nationals uh, this year in 19, and then the Nationals and the IPSC Nationals last year in 18. Uh, so that's four qualification matches. If you're not familiar with how it works, they take your best three of the four uh, by percentage in division and total that up uh, for your points. So three of them had already have already had already been done, and the Open Nationals in Utah was the last qualifier. <clears throat> After the IPSC Nationals this year, I thought I mean before that I thought I was pretty much out of it, but uh, had a bad performance at Nationals last year. And but after the IPSC Nationals, I got to look at the numbers. And I was like, damn it, man, I'm I'm actually not out of it. I'm in this thing. So all of a sudden, that made this last qualification match, all that more important. So I was looking forward to being able to go there, concentrate on competing and and do gooder. Well, them old buddy, Mr. USPSA president approached me about uh, going to work the Nationals in Utah uh, with and for USPSA. So I kicked around, I was like, man, you know, the one match I was gonna get to focus on shooting and but the way they had done the contract, and I don't know anything about the background behind this, but you know the way they had done the contract with, with the range out there in, uh, in Utah was that they were just contracting the range. They were not contracting um, whatever people were there to, to run the thing, if there even were people there to run the thing. I don't, I'm not privy to all that stuff. But uh, So nonetheless, they, they wanted me to come out there and, and uh, be in charge of stuff. So... I hemmed and hawed about it and then finally agreed. I mean, I, I like uh, I like the team there. We work well together. We obviously have a lot of experience working together here at our place. And uh, so I agreed to do it. So, so much for being able to concentrate on the shooting. Uh, so I went out there, oh, like nine, nine days before or something or 10 days before. Uh, it was a Friday of the week before the match, whatever that was. 
and uh, they had, you know, what they said they were going to have. They had a clean, a clean slate, empty range. Uh, they have a I had our liaison. I call him their local guy out there uh, by the name of Bob Wolf, who uh, was number one awesome to work with, uh, but number two had done a ton of work with his with his club members. I'm pretty sure helped out, and you know they had as much ready to go. Uh, as they could so we'd worked on the stages prior on drawings and I mapped them out where they where I thought they were going to go and so Saturday morning we roll up there at 7 30 ready to rock and and um, you know we got jiggy we had I think six guys from from USPSA I think and um, and then Bob there helping us as well helping us as well and uh, it went pretty good so I was pleased we um, we banged out 21 stages, what I call rough in, in three days. So we did seven uh, seven stages a day for three days and had everything pretty much, you know, stood up. Uh, one cool thing, they have a, a local prison there, and I don't know how they finagle it, but they can they can get some of the prisoners to come out and do, you know, manual labor type stuff. Uh, so they brought out, I don't know, five or six. I wasn't really working with them directly, but... Uh, five or six guys from the local prison. The one rough thing about that range is, being that it's in the desert and all, the uh, berms and the ground are pretty much like granite, and they use the same system we do and most people do around the around the country as those ten or twelve inch spikes to nail down your fault lines and your walls and your target stands and all that stuff. And man, is it a pain in the butt doing it out there? We probably should have had some hammer drill type system to. To poke a hole or something, but we didn't. Uh, so it was nice. We had the, I was gonna say volunteers. That's right, the right word. Had the crew from the prison come in and and do the nailing for us. Uh, so we had the the potential classifier stages, of which there were four in the end. I think it was five to begin with, but uh, we nailed those down just so we made sure they were in the right spot. But the rest of the stuff, barrels and target stands and walls and whatnot they were able to, to nail that for us that was a huge help and uh that really put us uh, pretty much a full day ahead of our schedule and then all the little knickknack stuff after that i mean we get the rough end done but still got to hook up activators and paint and pretty it up and hang banners and get the technological side of the match ready with the uh, tablets and wi-fi and be ready for the shooters coming in for registration. So still plenty to do, but it got us ahead of the game, so that was cool. Then, uh, so that was the first match was open and PCC. We had a day off in the middle on Wednesday, uh, day off that I spent eight hours on the range changing over the stages and uh, getting them ready for the next match. But uh, the open match went pretty well. I didn't shoot my best, but I shot okay. Uh, you know, I didn't shoot good enough to win. I still feel I got it. You know, if I throw down my my best, I think I'd be in the hunt solidly, but uh, I didn't. And I finished sixth. And it was a good uh, it was a good three days of shooting. Uh, I like the weather out there. It's hot but dry and a little windy at times, but <clears throat> everything's got its it's got its drawbacks. Uh, so the new kid on the block, Christian Seiler, had a had a great match, a near flawless near flawless match, and took the win over JJ. So that was a fun race to watch coming down, uh, especially the last day and the, the last few stages. And I had the numbers pretty much 
calculated on a, on a spreadsheet, but being this is the final qualifier, I was, and being that I was in the hunt, which I previously didn't think I was, so they'll make the they'll make the final announcements in January. But unless I made some grave error in my calculations, I earned enough points to make the world shoot team again, which is pretty cool. I figured the last one would be my last one, and I was able to pull it off again at 46 years old with uh, other team members. I think if I got all my math right, or are 19, 40, and 32, or 33, or something. So, still hanging with the young kids uh, as best I can. So, that takes us into Wednesday. I had the changeover day. Uh, not a ton of changeover, but I think it was a pretty good amount. I mean, for the time that we had, because really registration opened and the range opened at, at noon on that day for the new competitors coming in for the uh, limited and carry optics match. So, given the limited time that we had, uh, I think we had a good plan and a good execution on the changeover day, given enough of a change on the stages that you didn't 100% feel like you were shooting the same match again. Uh, one note on the stages I meant to, to bring up in the first match, we had they have a house there. If you've been there, you've seen it. Uh, very, very, very rudimentary shoot house set up. And uh, I made a mistake because I'd gone out there this spring for the Magnus Cup, really for the... Uh, for the purpose of kind of checking out the range and formulating a plan and uh, just kind of getting a feel for the ground, what kind of props they had and condition everything and yada yada. So I knew that dang thing was there, but then just totally forgot about it when it came to designing and placing stages. And so we had a stage drawn up, normal old run-of-the-mill stage that was going to go in that bay. And then when we got there, I was like, ah, shit, I forgot about this thing. So... I was like, no big deal, I'll come up with something. Uh, so it's not it's not real dissimilar to our shoot house uh, here at Universal. Uh, so I had some, you know, I've used that every every way to Sunday. And uh, so I came up with, uh, I mean, you could call it a memory stage. I guess I would call it a memory stage, but it wasn't that bad. It, it, looked, uh, it looked more intimidating than it was, which is the way I like to set stuff. Uh, you know, here I am getting ready for the monster match this week. And although we don't have anything too, too crazy this year in the past, you know, we've shot off golf carts and we've shot off treadmills and we've shot upside down from inversion tables and you know all the stuff when you see it on the surface you're like whoa this is crazy but you know when you actually go and do it it's not that crazy and that's kind of uh, my goal on a lot of stuff like this um, so you could see multiple targets from one spot and then when you shift it laterally you know looking through the same window you're seeing a, a target that appears to be the same target but it's not because of your shift. Um, but, you know, if you had gone to every position and shot every single thing that you saw from every position, uh, you only would have reshot 12 or twelve rounds, six targets. And a uh, funny side note on that is we spent, I mean, th those are kind of hard to set up. It takes a lot of people to set it up because you have to have people downrange scooching targets around while I or somebody in back there get in the shooter's uh, shooter's eye view. Uh, so we spent a while fiddling with it and getting it pretty close. And then I went back later and fiddled with it more just because I wasn't totally happy. You could you know, see some partial targets from positions and that's just setting yourself up for failure with wall shots and scoring problems and uh, things that I like. So I fiddled with it a bit more. And then the next day, Mike Foley, the president, and I went back to make a few last changes before the nailing crew came in and just to make sure everything was was in place. So I, I'd looked at this thing a lot, and 
you know, a lot of it looking from downrange, looking back. And Mike and I, while we were there, we kind of came up with a plan because we weren't going to get a lot of time to check it out once the match started. So good to go. And it was a big hit. I mean, everybody, the ROs were telling me that people were there for an hour, you know, during the during the registration, trying to figure out and come up with their own plans. So that all, that all was cool. So I get there to shoot. We shot it on the second day, I think. Yeah, second day. So I get there to shoot, and I'm not really panicking on my walkthrough. And, you know, by this time, all the pros, everybody already had their plan they were going to do, and quite a few different plans, which that's always cool. And I just happened to catch somebody say uh, 30 rounds. And I stopped him. I said, no, no, it's 32. And they said, damn it, I thought it was 30. So they went and asked the range officer, and the range officer said, it's 30. And I was like, uh, no, I built this thing. It's 32. And they said, well, we've been running it for a day and a half, and we're pretty sure it's 30. I was like, shit. So now our squad's starting. I don't have time to to figure it out. So while we were pasting, I was frantically circling the house, trying to figure out which target it was that I was shooting twice. And uh, I couldn't figure it out. And KC was trying to be helpful. He's like, here, just shoot my plan. And, I, and on this point, I'm three people from being up or something. And I was like, yeah, hey, you know what? I'd rather shoot a target twice than, than nunced. So I'm just going to stick with my plan. And uh, so I did. And sure enough, shot a target twice. And it was kind of exciting to see which one it was going to be. And uh, But just going to show you, you know, even though you're involved in setup and designing the stages, doesn't necessarily mean you know what the hell you're doing. Did I uh, say something about me being stupid? So anyway, back to the limited match. So we did the changeover on Wednesday. Uh, registration opened, and uh, all was well. Ready to rock. Well, back to me being dumb. I, I, I shouldn't have shot the limited match, and knowing that I was going to be the quote-unquote match director at this match, you know, not really knowing your, where you are and your way around and where the awards are and all the behind-the-scenes stuff that has to happen for a match, you know, I'd strongly considered not shooting the limited match because I wasn't prepped. I haven't shot limited in forever, and we talked about my amazing pro-am performance. And, but, you know, I thought, well, I'll take my gear, and if everything's running somewhat smoothly and I feel like I can shoot without losing control of the match, then I'll shoot. So grab the gun day before I leave, getting ready, and uh, the front sights broke off. Not the end of the world. I mean, I, something I could have fixed, but, you know, I was literally the day before I was leaving. I was like, yeah, screw it. I'll just grab the other gun. I'll just take one gun. It'll be fine. And had a bunch of ammo. I had to box it up for, for shipping. And I thought, eh, I better go out and just run it through the chrono just to make sure. And it was an ammo can, almost full, uh, 40 caliber, and it was all minor. Uh, purposeful minor, not, not like 164. It was like... 148, so steel challenge stuff that I had laying around from years back that I thought was major. It wasn't. Now, again, day before I leave, and again, I could have fixed this too. I could have had a buddy load for me and ship it out there because I was going eight days ahead of time, but I was like, I just grabbed stuff around here. So I'm scrounged around the office and found some sponsor ammo and some donated stuff and some crap people left over, and it was totally, totally unprepared. So I ran through the chrono, ran through the gun, all good, packed it up. Off we go. Uh, so I didn't get a chance to shoot it during the changeover day. I was just too busy. But we didn't shoot till the afternoon on uh, the first day of the match. So I went out that morning to shoot. 
and the rear sight's cracked all the way through. So it would have been nice to have the spare gun, but I didn't, so borrowed a sight that wasn't really made for the gun, tried to make it work, didn't work. Another guy gave me a sight that was the correct sight, so I got that in. Fixed that problem, and so off we go. So good, high-confidence way to, to start off the, a national championship. And, of course, the sight-in range was jam-packed at that point. I, mean, I had it to myself in the morning, but at that point it's jam-packed, so I'm trying to zero on a rock and 20 yards away and take your best guess. And so off we go. And it was just a shit show from there. So the ammo I had didn't run. Uh, I was racking three three times a stage, and uh, it was just bad. Bad, bad, bad all around. And it all stems from not being prepared. So if you've listened to the podcast before, you, you know, have heard me say I shoot a lot of different stuff. So I shoot seal challenge and three gun and very very rare occasion idpa and obviously a lot of training and uspsa open limited single stack carry optics whatever Um, you know if you're not going to have time to practice and really put the time in which i know i wasn't going to have that for the limited match uh, but you at least got to make sure your stuff's running you know at least got to make sure your gun zeroed it's functioning with the ammo you got you don't have a half broken sight or all the way broken sight and I just didn't do any of that, so I, I really just should have not shot. But nonetheless, had to go to Chrono with four types of ammo, and was on my third rear sight. And my finish was uh, according to my preparation. I don't even remember where it was, 30th or something. Definitely the worst Nationals finish ever. Uh, but lesson learned for you guys. You know, be prepared. And if you have a backup gun, bring the damn thing. Even without a front sight, it probably would have ran better than the other one. So that was the Nationals experience in Utah. And now I'm back getting at it again. We got a monster match coming up here in two weeks. And then the Nationals are coming back here. So we've got the the low cap, they're calling it. So single stack and revolver, and then production and L10. I think I'm going to be shooting uh, single stack and production is the plan. I will definitely make sure everything's running. Single stack gun gave me some problems last year. I think it was an ammo situation again, but I'll have that figured out. And we'll get ready to do it all again. So as always, I'll try to be more consistent with these, but don't hold your breath. Hope you guys had a good summer, and I will see you on the range. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass.